Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Rasslin' Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. We are going to be covering, uh, we're going back to our series. We do, we've do. we been doing this uh, off and on through the last uh, couple of, like the last year and a half, we've been doing uh, some conversations about the state of Minnesota and the pro wrestling scene through the years. And uh, for off and on for the last couple of months, I've been able to uh, connect with Thunderblood Charlie Norris. And Charlie is back with us today. And he's bringing, we were also bringing with, along with Charlie, a very special guest from Charlie's Pro Wrestling Past. They're going to share some memories. And he's a gentleman that uh, has been on our program before. Uh, yes, we and he's a local guy up here in the Rasslin' Memories uh, listening area, originally from Shrek, Minnesota. He's uh, going to be here. He was here a few like a year, year or two ago, and we're so glad to have both of these guys uh, back and with us. First of all, I want to give a big welcome to Randy Gust. Randy, a long time. It's nice to have you back on. Yeah, well, thank you very much. It's been, I think, around a couple of years. But yeah, it, uh, it's, uh, it's always nice to talk about the... Uh, you know, back in the Minneapolis wrestling scene and the professional wrestling scene. Met a lot of neat people and all that stuff. So, yeah, cool. Oh, oh yeah. And we, we really got into some pretty cool things, some sh- stories to share. And, uh, I, and it was uh, just maybe last fall that I uh, got a message from you uh, at the station here about getting uh, kind of getting in contact with another guy from your pro wrestling path that uh, you thought would be a good fit for this show. Uh, we're, we're talking about uh, Charlie Norris, and uh, Charlie is is with us here today too. But before we get Charlie into the conversation, I want to uh, just uh, thank you and uh, you know thank you so much for for recommending Charlie. And it's been so great to have Charlie with us. But what made you decide to give us a call and you uh, say, "Hey, man, put me in the direction of Charlie Norris"? You know, I think it was really it was. I mean, it was when I had heard. Uh, you know, I listened to some of those wrestling podcasts here and there, you know what I mean? And I was listening mm-hmm. to the, what is it, the 83 weeks or whatever with Eric Bischoff and with Conrad Thompson. Yep. And they had brought up Charlie, you know, about his run in WCW. And I thought, you know, let Charlie explain his side of the story and what went on there and that stuff where people want to hear it, you know, mm-hmm. and that stuff. So, and I mean, Charlie's my closest friend in the wrestling business and outside the wrestling business. So, I mean, we've kept in touch. We've known each other since 1988 or 89. That's 30-some years, you know? Fritz, we're still both lucky to be alive. Wow. (laughs) Speak for yourself. (laughs) That third voice in the conversation is Charlie Norris. Charlie, welcome back to Wrestling Memories. As we uh, go back to, uh, I guess this is kind of an on-again, off-again series of interviews with you. And uh, we had had talked with Eddie Sharkey. And now this time around, you get to talk with one of your your peers, uh, Randy Randy Gust. Uh, It's it's great to have you back, Charlie. How many times do you think we wrestle, Randy? Oh, wow. I'm going to say 50, maybe. Yeah, you know, it was a lot, at least. That's at least, you know. Wow. We were good together. We'd go 45 minutes because if Randy didn't like you or anything, you're just going to get suplexed and the match is over. I remember one time Randy wrestled this one guy. (laughs) He he shouldn't even have been in the building buying a ticket. Randy had to wrestle him one time, and the match lasted, what, how many seconds, Rand? Well, I mean, it was very short, but. I mean, I, I, if I remember right, his name was King Tut. He went by King Tut. He wore tennis shoes in the <laughs> ring with some yellow banana outfit. And he had, I mean, he really had no concept really of what, 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 yeah. yes, he did. Right. Well, the problem is, you know, this business is, 
you know, it's, it's a work. Sure. And I mean, and um, yeah. people just, some people believe in it. And unfortunately, when you're in the business and you believe it, then there's something wrong, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, and it was a learning experience, that's for sure. Oh, man, he suplexed him right out of his shoes. Randy's too humble to talk about it, but it was he had to do it. That guy would have possibly hurt Randy or hurt himself, you know. Well, it was, I might have uh, gave a belly-to-belly that one, but... I got my butt kicked a few times too, so I mean, By just who? part of the deal. I'll tell you, my biggest book, the Road Warriors in Wichita, Kansas. Oh, yeah. they beat the living yeah. hell out of me, and that was being nice. Set this up here, you, you, this match. Uh, how did you end up in the ring with these guys? There was a show, Randy. It was a WWF guys, but this one was a dark yeah. match where it, where it. Oh, they wanted the. I don't know if it was one of their first matches in WWE, but my partner was Pistol Pez Watley, and they knocked him out, and then they just gave me a. <laughs> I just went for the ride. I mean, it was. Yeah. And then that's why I tell them. Well, then, then, then the fun began as you started taking flying shoulders, flying clotheslines, shoulder blocks, power slams, whatever they wanted. That's what it was. Working with Pez Watley, though, at this uh, in an enhancement dark match. Uh, now, there's another guy that uh, he's not with us anymore, but he's another guy that had with him also an amateur background. Yes, he did. I believe he was. Where was he from? Kansas City or down south somewhere, I believe. Yeah, like Alabama. You know, maybe. Yeah. Tennessee, Tennessee. Pez Watley. Pez Watley, Charlie. Oh, yeah. He's, um, and I, he was one of the trainers at the wrestling school in um, Georgia. He was a good trainer. Yeah, but, um, but, uh, yeah. Well, he didn't last very long with the rotors. None of us did. So <laughs> is that where they, you know, where you had to have knee surgery? Yeah, it was because I took that. Uh, what's that thing they do up on top of the shoulders, and they just the oh, doomsday oh, device. I landed on my. Well, it was doomsday for Randy. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, holy crap! And then, and then, um, then uh, Animal um, told you he had paid for the surgery. Yes, yes. I mean, they were very gracious afterwards, but. Um, Animal said, if there's any medical bills, I'll pay for them. And, I mean, that was very nice. Mm-hmm. For I didn't take them up on it, but, I mean, that was still nice of them. But, yeah, they yeah, don't I, they don't I, care I, who you are. I think you're too big to take that. Pez should have took it. Well, he was knocked out after 10 seconds, so <laughs> I was just the one getting <laughs> the ride. So. Man, <laughs> you know? crazy. Them guys are the nicest guys in the world, man. I'm glad I never – well, I would have worked with them. Hell, yeah. I worked with that, uh, Hawk that one time. Remember Charlie Hawk when uh, Hawk yeah, had his new tag team partner, the Chinese, yeah. the Japanese guy, and I worked in yeah, a match against hockey. them too, and that was almost just yeah. as bad. You know what I mean? That well, that was big Japanese covers because that was their first match as a tag team in Japan, the Hellraiser. Or was it yes. the Hellraisers? It was. Yeah, it was the Hellraisers. Yep. And um, yeah, yeah, and, and um, you worked with Hawk again there. And, they had to get over strong that night too, man. You know, Hawk. Well, all the Japanese were there. He was gracious towards you after, you know. Hawk, they were always good guys. I mean, it was just—I yeah, uh, mean, you were going to take an ass. You were going to take an ass whoop, and even if you tried to take something, it wasn't going to work. So, so I mean, it's just part of the business. I understood that, but still, in all my uh, in all my time, whenever I was working at the prison and that, and actually right now, Glenn, I'm retired. I just retired from the state corrections about a year ago. So, oh wow! But I used to tell the I tell the inmates, I'd say, you know what? There ain't nothing you can do to me compared to what the Road Warriors did. 
you know, and they just laugh <laughs> most of the time, you know. So yeah, and uh, I said I'm not that nobody tough, will but ever. That 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 one's pretty you pretty know. much hard to top as far as uh, you know how you felt uh, leaving the ring that night. Did anybody come close to that as far as uh, working being a little bit di- more difficult? Uh, maybe feeling a little bit rougher after you left the ring. Is, was there any other guys I'll that worked you, a little bit more the, stiff? The biggest guy I ever worked against was Coquina Maximus. I mean, when he was in the AWA, I worked on a Yokozuna. road show with him. Yeah, and I mean, but I, I, for how big that guy was. He was light. I mean, he the way he moved was phenomenal. Yeah. He looked like he just destroyed you, but he was. Uh, I mean, he was the biggest guy I worked with by far, the biggest, you know. And I mean, he was so light though, and he could move on his feet. Yeah, and that yeah. was my first, probably my first couple months in wrestling. So I learned a little easy bit there too, you know. Mm-hmm. It was really easy, but he was just so mm-hmm. big. I remember he walked into the locker room, him and Adnan, the Sheik. And, I mean, uh, he liked to eat. You know, no disrespect because I like to eat too, but, I mean, he had like, and I ain't kidding, probably like a couple buckets of chicken, and he was just munching down on Kentucky Fried Chicken. And, I mean, it was like there was nothing nothing against him, but, I mean, it was, uh, I just couldn't believe how big this gentleman was, this man was. He was big. And he was just so agile too. Yes, he was. You ended up in a, a, a as a part of an AWA. Was that part of the, these TV tapings? Now, how did you end up uh, getting uh, getting hooked up with that again? This is the thing. When I started, AWA was at the was at the very 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 end of their reign. You know what I mean? They were about almost done. They couldn't find a lot of talent to work for them. Like the Rochester so, tapings. Right. Well, this wasn't a Rochester taping. This was a this was a house show, a road show. And they they needed people, whoever they had, they had booked for the show on that one. Somehow they canceled. So Greg called me because I had talked to him a couple times, asked about working for him. And he called me and said, can you be in, I think it was in Westfield, Wisconsin in four hours. And I was so excited. I said, yep. And I got there and uh, this is who they they, uh, had booked me with. You know, uh-huh. and I mean, it was a, I'd like to say a learning experience, but I just followed and whatever he did, I just basically sold, you know, but mm. no, I started actually yeah. working for AWA quite a, quite a bit at the end of their reign for their road shows. Cause a lot of talent wouldn't work for them for some reason. And I, anytime they called me, I'd work on short notice. So if they would have stayed around a little longer. Maybe I could have got a little push. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's how I was just, uh, I worked for them probably 20 times. Then they closed down. It was right when I when I started wrestling, they were closing down. In, like, the mid-90s, you also got to work, uh, they, they did some, uh, what, some casino sh- spot shows uh, at Treasure Island. Uh yeah, what do you re- what do you remember about that as far as the setup goes? Was it anything? Was anybody expecting anything beyond what those shows were? I mean, as far as guys in the locker room, was it just a a quick little payoff? It wasn't like it was going to get back to running again. Was there any sort of optimism of there, or was it just it was another paid show? I remember the most when I worked. I worked against it was when Doink the Clown was just gotten out of WWE. Who was it? It wasn't the Matt Bourne. It was the other. What was his name? Stan Lane. Is that it? Steve Kern. Or who was it? I think it was Steve, Steve Kern. Kern. Yes, you're right, Steve Kern. It was Steve Kern. And I remember that because me and him did about it. I was, the, my gimmick was the judge. I was a heel and I worked against him. And he was the 
he was doing the clown. That's right, Steve Kern. And we went about probably close to a half hour match. And he'd do his clown stuff. What I wasn't prepared for, though, and I couldn't. The funniest thing, you know, at the end, he went over. But he had tied my wrestling boots together. And Dead tied them together. And I couldn't get them untied. So I had to walk back to the locker room trying to just go very slowly or I couldn't. I remember that he tied my boots together on part of his deal with the, when we were working in the ring, you know, uh-huh. and that, but no, there I was a pretty good Doink crowd at those shows in that. I worked with Doink the Clown out in California. What he, it was Dusty Wolf, and he's the one that used to um, always play cards with Andre. He was, WWF used him all the time, you know, enhancement guy, good worker. But he had this big squirt bottle, man. He'd come out. You know, and trying to squirt me and everything, and I got it away from him, and I was squirting him, and I was squirting the crowd. It was really hot, squirting the crowd all over the place, man. Really good, easy match, easy, you know. And then uh, Freddie Fender was playing there that day, and I knew his guitar player. So they come, they come see me, and he said he wants to see you. So I went over there, and Jimmy Snooker said, "Hey, brother, do you know Freddie Fender?" And I'm like, "Yeah." I said, "You want to go?" So yeah, he went along. Tito went with me, and we went seeing Freddie Fender concert on sitting on the side of the stage. Mm-hmm. Charlie, so, remember when we went to a David Allen Go concert and got on his tour bus and everything else because you knew him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was just dropping Dusty Rhodes' name at the time, and I gave David a big turquoise ring because I love David Allen Go's music. And yeah, man, Randy was in the audience. He said, "We know Dusty Rhodes." We know the next one. I just was going to WCW like a few days later, and he knew Dusty, so I dropped his name. So I got to see David again, man, a bunch of times, man, man, all over the South. Yeah. Which, you know, it's fun, a lot of fun. Anyways, um, let's see, it's what we should we talk about here, man? How about that time we went 45 minutes down in uh, Des Moines? Remember that was a good match. Yeah, yeah, nobody, 45 minutes. Nobody could go that long. Yeah, we had the crowd the whole time too, or else we would have we would have ended it way earlier, you know. Remember that time I we were wrestling at the Indian Center and I I hit you in the back of the head so hard you flew out of the ring and did a black backflip on the floor. What? Holy man! I yeah, said, see, I told you, Charlie, this ain't real. Damn it, this is a work. <laughs> hit me so hard oh, on there, I went flying. I still didn't know. I was seeing stars. Oh man! You know, that's right. <laughs> I told Eddie right away, go tell him I'm sorry. Go tell him I'm sorry. Go tell him I'm sorry. <laughs> but you did That's suplex right. me. Remember outside, from outside the ring, you suplexed me inside, and we went way yeah. across the ring. Boom. Those, uh, those American Indian Center shows in Minneapolis, I mean, Charlie was like a god there. I mean, like a god. And, I mean, there were, I mean, I don't even, that place would be packed full of Native American adults and kids. And I'm going to tell you, the people there weren't nice. If, I mean, they loved Charlie, but everybody else they hated, and they'd throw batteries at you. Oh, I remember getting hit in the head, and I'd say, Eddie, what are we going to do? He said, Doc, it was nothing nice there. They loved Charlie and didn't yeah. want nothing to ha- I mean, those kids would be firing mm-hmm. batteries and everything else from the stand. <laughs> I remember that. Go ahead, Charlie. When what? Remember when I beat T.J. Khan that night when the kids stormed the ring and the whole they ring? They stormed the, the ring and everything, and- yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, I couldn't, I was like, I already blowed up, couldn't breathe, and Eddie just was like putting his hand, I got a picture of it, man, it's pretty cool, all these kids around me. Mm-hmm. 
Guys, so you mentioned the yeah. name Tijo Khan. I'm gonna uh, first. I'm gonna pose the question over to Randy. Uh, what What are your memories of Tijo? Because it was just uh, we found out here what not all that long ago that he had passed away. Uh, what do you remember of of, of Tijo Khan? Because he was a rather mysterious guy uh, towards the end. There, you didn't really get to hear too much about what happened with him. But when he was up here wrestling up, uh, you know, with Freddie, it's there were some interesting moments. But I want to know. You guys want to share something about Tijo from from your time that you did work around him or? to know him you know what i i, I mean i knew tijo a little bit not real well but i'll tell you tijo khan was a very humble man very quiet but very respectful i remember he just kind of had that smile on his face when he come in the locker room shake everybody ha- hand and just kind of sit down and then i mean he was very mm-hmm. very easy to talk to and very very nice you know good, so i mean good, good in the ring too man he was good, in the, good ring, in the ring you know Tijo kind of, you know, he. I don't think he hung around a lot of the boys. He kind of did his thing, you know what I mean? Because I never really him seen him out about with the guys. Him and Soldad hung out together outside. And me and him were in, I think I said last time, I was in a movie one time with Matthew Modine and Marissa Tomei, and Tijo was in that movie too. He was really good. I mean, just a good guy, yeah. you know, a real good guy. He had a believe. He know? had a good gimmick, man. Well, I heard a lot of stories about him down when he was in Mid South, and everybody, everybody loved him down there too. But you know, um, I don't know if the pay was that great down there. Savannah Jack was down, another one, Eddie Guyers. He was a big star, but you know, TJ didn't last long. But all the boys knew him. They always asked me about him down there. He was a great guy, great guy. I loved him. I worked with him probably about 12 times, 15 times or something. Now, a name, as I'm, I'm looking through uh, some of your highlights, uh, guys, through the years, and I, I noticed that you talked about the shows at the Indian Center, but also uh, uh, you, you were, uh, Charlie, of course, uh, along with Randy, had, had worked some shows up in the Red Lake area and with another guy who uh, really became an important part of, of, of Charlie's life. I want to talk about, or have you guys, I'm going to ask, when I say the name Sam Houston, I want to first hear from uh, Randy about how we met, met up with Sam. And, of course, uh, Charlie, I know you've got more than a few stories about the time you guys all worked on a show together. Well, that's Charlie's main man there. Him and Charlie, I mean, we're, we're brothers, you know, really. My first time meeting Sam was actually through Charlie. Charlie had a show at the Red Lake Indian Reservation. I actually worked against Sam in the ring. That was, I mean, working with Sam in the ring, he was so polished and so good. He knew what he was doing. I mean, it was easy, easy upon easy to work with Sam Houston. But that's the first time I met Sam, you know, it was through Charlie when Charlie brought him up here to work a show at the, at the reservation. And there's nothing, I mean, Sam Houston's as good a guy as there is. Mm-hmm. Very kind, very humble, you know. So, I mean, and he'd been around. So I just basically did whatever he said in the ring. You know, that's when I first started, yeah. almost when I first few years. So, I mean, there's nothing I can't, I mean, there was nothing that I was going to do that Sam hadn't already seen a million times. So it was a pl- real pleasure to work yeah. with him and a real good guy. Yeah, you guys had a really good match to start off the show because I was going to put that cu- that show card later on, but I said, man, look at Danucci and all those guys. So we're putting, we're putting these guys on first, man, and get the crowd rocking, you know. So that was a great match to start off, you know. Sam puts you over, too, when he's in the ring. You know, he sells. Yeah, he understands the business, how it works, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, uh, yeah, he takes it. You know, serious. it's give and take. You know, it's give and take mm-hmm. and that stuff. Yeah, he was really popular up there up north. One I believe he still Randy works in the ring a little bit, don't he? 
Yeah, he's trying, but I remember one time when you when you pinned me and won the PWA championship in St. Paul and people were gonna kill you. <laughs> yeah. That's saying it that? nicely. <laughs> <laughs> were they natives or what? Oh, they were everybody. Charlie, you had a big strong base around there, you know, in Minnesota, a real strong base though. So. Anytime you went in the ring, especially with Charlie and the especially in Minneapolis in the native community where the Indian Center was I mean, it wasn't, it could be very dangerous. I mean, for real, you know, you had so many people there. It was jam-packed and they loved Charlie and they just, I guess, really, I mean, they like violence, you know, and (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. And violence it was, Yeah, you know, I mean, throwing triple A or double A or nine volt batteries at you, you know, you had security there, but they could only do so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know who, um, you know, I don't know who, <laughs> I don't know nothing. I remember in Red Lake one time you wrestled up there, and from the first start of the match, I mean, the first start, the crowd hollered, Charlie, 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 so all you guys were A few of them guys got mad, and I'm like, what do you want me to go, to go tell them to shut up? But yeah, Red Lake, man, it's, it, I'm still old up there, I'm like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm you know. still. You, you talk about batteries getting thrown. It's almost like we had our own little version of how, like, uh, the fans through the years would uh, treat the opponents of, say, like a Pedro Morales up in uh, in New York or a Bruno San Martino. Yeah. Or, yeah, or yeah. I mean, you didn't get to go have epic riots, but you had that type of fandom. Not quite the Puerto Rico stuff, though. That's a whole different animal altogether. Yeah. Well,. You know what, guys? I don't mean I to interrupt, when... but this is crazy. Charlie, your entrance music is playing right now at the uh, North Dakota State Wrestling Tournament, Thunder. Can you hear it? ACDC. I can hear it a little bit. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what man, a coincidence. really crazy, man. <sighs> Yeah, this is wrestling memories then and now. Just having a conversation here, and you know, you know, Randy, we talked about your uh, appearance at the uh, UWF show, the Rampage show, up in uh, Minot back in 1993 for Herb Abrams uh, working that show. But uh, Charlie, did you ever catch any wind or get any sort of association or any sort of uh, you know offer on the table with with Herb Abrams and stuff when that was going on? Because Herb, not you know, not unlike Paul Alperstein later with the uh, AWF, these were guys that uh, yeah. came in with big money and intentions, but didn't end up uh, and you know going their way in the end. But could, did you have any comfort, uh, any contacts with with uh, Herb Abrams? Uh, no, I, uh, I was in WCW at that time. Okay. I was around and, um, um, uh, let's see, no, I never did. I don't, I never, you know, cause I was pretty much booked anywhere I want after Dances of Wolves came out, man. I was, I can work as much as I wanted to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, Indians are getting kind of popular again here. I might come out of retirement. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, but um, I remember when, when I when I filed my lawsuit and I had a press conference here in Minneapolis, I hit at Randy's house. And, uh, That's right. And because That's right. The, everybody was trying to get a hold of me. Remember, Rand? Yep, yep. yep. Randy said, man, geez. Like, you know, hiding a movie star or something, man, damn. 
media was trying to get a hold of me and everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were just laughing. Right. My dad got a million calls and everything. But, you know, I don't want to talk to anybody. I said what I'm going to do, and that's it. But, yeah, that was another time I remember. I was hiding at your house for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, yeah. man. Guys, do you? I want to have, if you guys share, I mean, uh, we're talking about some of the guys you had the chance to work with uh, up here in pro wrestling America country, but I, get, I got a couple controversial names here I want to bring in, uh, one of which played uh, a, a, an evil version of, of uh, your occupation, I guess you could say, Randy. Uh, we're talking about Nails, Kevin Wackles. Uh, you had a chance to, uh, both you and Charlie had a chance to work with him uh, through on the independent circuit, and... He was a a very tough guy. Uh, he had his own issues, I guess we would say, uh, with 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 Vince. But of course, everyone has their story. But what can you remember about the man, Kevin Wachholz? First, we'll start off with uh, Randy, Randy Gust. I'll tell you what, Kevin Kelly. My experience with him was nothing but great. He always was nice to me and treated me with respect. But with Kevin Kelly, I also know, you know what I mean, that you have like neighborhood tough guys, you have like regional tough guys, you have like state tough guys, you have. United States tough guy. Kevin Kelly was world tough. I'm going to tell you, I'm not scared of a lot of people, but if Kevin Kelly came after me, I'd be running 100 miles an hour because this guy is as legit as there is, you know, as legit as there is. But he, my experience with him was, he was nothing. Well, I can only remember once, and that's when me and Ken Patera were tag team partners, and it was him and one of the Terminators. But, I mean, I tried taking stuff. Oh. I was actually working uh, baby face then, and I couldn't. I mean, Kevin was just, I'm telling, I wouldn't. Oh, yeah. If I piss that guy off, I'm going to go to the next country wherever I can get because this guy has nothing <laughs> to play with, nothing to play with. Yeah. And I, uh, I had yeah. nothing but respect for him, and he was really cool with me. And yeah. I was on a lot of shows yeah. with him, you know, Great. only worked against him that I can remember once, but. Kevin Kelly is as tough a guy as there is, and if you had to find someone to be on your side, it better be him. Kevin is very respectful and stuff, but in the ring, he's he's uh, you just got to be ready, <laughs> But it's the thing is, though, he's so strong, him. Charlie. He's so strong and everything oh, else. You could it's, it's it's like no, his grip is like man. I don't I don't know, but I wrestled him probably. 20, maybe 20 some times for Sergeant Slaughter and them guys. And Kevin, I let, he let me suplex him and, you know, the big boot. And I told, I was asking him one day, we were riding down to Texas together. I mean, uh, uh, in the, uh, Chicago. And I said, uh, Kev, I mean, do you want me just to sell and sell and you tell me when to come? He said, no, you just got to fight. Just keep fighting, fighting back, fighting. Because I don't know what you I can't call your spots for you. So after that, it was we had some really good matches, you know, and we rode together. I mean, he's just a true, true no, don't want no both, no that kind of human being around him. But he is one of the boys, and one of the bo- well, if you're one of the boys, that means you're one of the boys. You know, there's no nobody says he's not. If you're not one of the boys, that, that's the highest compliment you can get in wrestling. If you're one of the boys. You know, it's a very high compliment. Kevin Kelly is, I mean, he is, he was, I mean, even, uh, I, I mean, even I heard Brett Hitman Hart talk about him once, you know, when 
kind of he was in the locker room when he was working WWE. Said he's a very quiet, but he's very very respected. Even you know uh-huh. people like Bret Hart understood that. You know, basically you don't f with this guy. <laughs> you know, no. And that yeah. And that we went to California when we're no Oregon. What time? California for that AWF all down. Washington, all the way down to all the way south. Anyways, um, me and Kevin walk in the, in the dressing room. I'm I my cowboy boots. I'm six six. I'm just as big as Kevin. And me, I me and Kevin walk in, and honky tonk man looks at Kevin. He really didn't realize who I was at the time. He looks at uh, um, Kevin and. And he's, you know, he's sitting there and he's like, nails! <laughs> and I had to work with Honky Tonk Man that night. And um, Honky Tonk Man um, asked nails, is the Indian stiff? Is the Indian stiff? And Kevin said, yeah. So Honky was really scared to go in the ring, man. And, uh, I mean, he wasn't scared, but when we locked up, he knew everything was cool, you know. He was really a good easy match, but yeah, Kevin. When we, he walked in the dressing room, especially, I get to hang out with Kevin, toughest man, you know, and um, you know, it was cool to walk in. Kevin was the greatest man. I loved him. I still love yeah. him. I hope he's doing all right. Is he doing all right? Because this man was as tough as they. I mean, as tough yeah. as they came. You know. Yeah. I don't know how he's doing. Yeah. I haven't he heard from him, so I hope he's doing all right. He got a three-year contract for uh, with WCW. Hogan got him in because he needed someone to watch his back in the dressing room. Kevin only worked about one or two times. <laughs> they just they used this Hogan bodyguard. So well, but, it was um, the right bodyguard. Kevin that's cho- for sure. Yeah, Kevin choked out Vince in WWF, which I thought was pretty cool. And I know whole, the whole story why, but I don't want to get into it. And um, you know, Kevin, Kevin got his, he got his payback in that that little WCW contract, and he bought a ranch down or a farm down in Red Wing. So he told me everything. He's pretty cool, man. He, he's he's a good guy. Oh, good. Oh. Uh, yeah, was there was there any other so, guys that had that uh, that that type of respect and command when they went into a locker room that you knew that you you were glad that you were on their good side? Randy. Yeah, no. I would say Randy honestly, a co- I mean, I mean, Brad Rangins was as nice as there was, but you weren't gonna if if he wanted to pin you in a minute, he'd pin you in a minute, you know. Um, yeah. Well, nobody knew to miss it, Randy, because he had a couple, couple showdowns with a couple people, so they would last in about four seconds, five seconds, and you know, Randy one had of the, that respect, you know. The Terminators were pretty so, tough too, you know what I mean? Where I don't think well, I would want to mess well, with them, you know. Well, Wolf was, uh, I mean, uh, the big one, he was, you know, um, Termin, um, uh, Riggs was really good to work. Man, he was a good wrestler, but, yeah, he was tough. And uh, big uh, Wolf was tough, too, man. You know, holy man. But, you know. You know who was, it was tough? You know who it was tough, though, that really now that what Glenn mentioned there, who was tough that I I wouldn't want to mess with the outsider is Larry Cameron. Larry Cameron was nothing yeah. to play with either. Larry was as good a guy as there was, but if you pissed him off, I remember one time I was on a show, it was rock and roll buck zoom off show in a small town in Minnesota. And Larry got shorted money. Larry threw buck zoom off against the lockers. I mean, threw him like eight feet in there and he hit the lockers. If it wasn't for Baron von Raschke breaking it up, 
I mean, Larry Cameron was as good a guy as there is, too. But if you screwed with them, he'd take care of what he had to do. I said, Larry, yeah. oh, I said, just, I mean, I remember that. He threw bucks flying like eight feet in the air. I said, whoa. Again, yeah, and Larry got every dime coming to him, to too. Yeah, but yeah. Larry was, Larry is a great yeah. guy, but he was a tough you know guy, too, man. You didn't play with. I asked, I asked Larry one time who he wouldn't mess with, or all the guys here, and he said Tommy Ferreira. Yeah, Tommy was pretty tough too. He could use his fists, you know what I mean? He you know but you know, yeah. Tommy had a story for everything, Charlie. You know that. He had a story for everything. He'd just be laughing, he'd yeah. be smoking cigarettes in the locker room and he'd be telling stories yeah. about different stuff. But he could uh yeah, he yeah. could use his fists. He was good with yeah. his fists. You know. But he was always happy most yeah. of the time, you know. And that, I wish I had his, you know. But remember that time? This is the funniest story I've ever heard in my life, Randy. You're on that show when that tornado was coming and Kenny J was running by with a shirt hanging out of his suitcase. Yes, please. <laughs> that's serious, Kenny G. It was in, you know what, Glenn? It was actually the show was in Marshall County at the Marshall County Fair in Warren, Minnesota. Oh, my God. Um, really? Yes, it was. Uh, I was, uh, this was, well, anyway. I remember a tornado, and they <laughs> and they start getting the sirens. And Kenny J is serious. I said, "There's a tornado running for your life!" And he jumped in his car and just kept driving. He was dead serious. Run for your lives! Got in his car with the shirt and his ass away. hanging out, and started running, driving away. He was dead set, dead serious. <laughs> that's right. Run that's right. Lives. Run for Run your lives. life! And it's and he was dead serious. And, you know, that's tornado. probably the last time I've seen him. Yeah, probably the last time I've seen him. You know, with his ass that's going backwards. Crazy. You know, and, and, I mean, run for your lives, got in his car. Just, it's a whoa. Maybe we should go. What did, you, Cause I rem- what did everybody huh? else do? Because there was a tornado, man. Well, I think some might have been laughing. Some might have thought it wasn't. But then when Kenny said that, everybody started running. Like getting the hell out of there. Who was all you with know? on that? Who was with on that show? I mean, that you remember that were a well, part of it. Was this? A, actually, it was. This is when I was at working at the prison. Still, this was about fifteen years ago, and it was just a show by chance. Okay. Because I was from a Chirac, you know, Glenn Chirac, close to Warren. So they said, "Do you want it?" Buck called me up. Buck called me up and said, "Do you want to be on the show?" <laughs> I said, "Yeah, why not?" You know, I think it was just I was just going to manage or something because I wasn't going to get my fat butt into the ring mm-hmm. it uh i mean there was nobody there i mean the weather had a play in it but there was nobody there but then once that siren went i remember kenny i don't know if he just lost his mind or he run for your life and he wasn't joking he got in his car and drove back to the wherever he was from you know he ran for his life so i mean but it was a show buck zumoff had with the marshall county fair <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, I'm sure that yeah paid? he did that's the one thing Buck oh, used, well, for yeah. me he usually paid me pretty good and I didn't do nothing yeah, the show was canceled yeah. basically and they paid but Kenny said run yeah. for your lives and just ran well, in but, the uh, ring and a big tornado's coming man I'd head out of there Jack yeah. I'm going to go from one Ken to another because you guys mentioned him and uh, I talk about it you worked some shows with him worked on some of his shows Ken Patera. Now, where where does Ken Patera fall in that uh, spot in the locker room? As far as the, not only being a, you know a veteran, but where does Ken fall as far as uh, you know what you guys perceive of him uh, when you first met him and got to know him? You know what? For me, I mean, Ken was Kenny was a legend. 
I mean, what was it? Where was there a better heel than in the seventies with his strong man and blonde hair? You know, like we had said in our last time out your interview, you know, Andre the Giant didn't let, just let anybody body slam him, and he let Kenny body slam him. You know, Kenny was a legit, yeah. legit strong man. Kenny was a legit heel. <laughs> Kenny kind of had that, and he's always had that sarcastic uh, personality, you know, where he just kind of, and Kenny is very opinionated, and he don't care who you are or what you are. He's going to tell you, you know. But Kenny understood the business very well. He's a very, very smart man. Very smart, you know. Very. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know. For a few years, I think he had like he had the he had the Mid South Championship or the St. Louis Championship and a couple Everywhere. others at Everywhere. one time. Missouri, you know. Yeah, he was all over, man. He he was the, worked for the Funks. He worked uh, for Fritz. He worked Atlanta for. Uh, uh, Ole, he were everywhere. The Carolinas, he was in Mid-Atlantic, New York. He was a big star. He don't get the credit he deserves with them sellouts with Bruno. And, you know, he was a top heel out there in New York for a long time. And they, they worked a lot. Pittsburgh, Boston, Philadelphia, you know, sellouts every night, you know. You can't tell me that he shouldn't he be in the WWE Hall of Fame, but I'm sure it's what Kenny says outside of the ring. I'm sure it's always very opinionated on stuff. You know, well, and he's not nice. You know, they don't want to give him. Well, he's nice, but he tells the truth. He tells the yeah, brutal. But honesty. he says it straight ahead. Yeah, and he'll use a lot of four-letter words too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. I was very close with Kenny for a while. I'd work out at his gym yeah, all the were. time, and we uh, we'd go out all the time together. You know, all the time. I mean, you Kenny's know? lived in the same house in Woodbury, Minnesota, a suburb, eastern suburb of the Twin Cities, for. Probably well, I thought it forty was like, years. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, he lives in Woodbury. Yeah, he nice I don't know if he drinks. No, I can't be drinking. But, I think he know. does drink sometimes because I've seen some of those Beer. podcasts. With he was on the, uh, what's that podcast with that Canadian guy that interviews a lot of people? Yeah. You know, uh, it's great white wrestling. Or great. Oh, North Hannibal! Wrestling. Hannibal. Yeah, Hannibal. Kenny was on yeah. there not too long ago because it had to be not too long ago because it was a, a it was a virtual interview. It was a virtual interview he was doing. And Kenny was drinking yeah. right while he was doing the interview. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kenny gets long winded sometimes. He does, but I mean he's just I mean Kenny's Kenny's seventy seven or seventy eight years old. Yeah. You know? Seventy eight. And uh, that's crazy. I said he's man. a very smart guy. He's got two two degrees from the University of Brigham Young. You know, yep. he's always had successful yeah. businesses. You know, so I mean, yeah. It's just that I never seen yeah. Kenny get in a physical fight, but he was strong. Well, I mean, he was a world strongman. You know, and he didn't care who you were. He'd tell you what he thought. He did not care who you were. You know? No, he didn't. Yeah, I teamed up with Kenny on Miami a bunch of times, and man, it was fun, you know. I, you know, at one time we were working with wrestling Wayne Bloom, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, or the Beverly Brothers, or whatever. And um, I was telling Wayne in the ring, I said, I got the world's strongest man. You better not be messing around. And, you know, Wayne was laughing and stuff. But yeah, we always had good matches because Enos, Mike Enos, was a really good worker. You know, let's That's see. another guy I wouldn't want to mess with is Wayne Bloom. Wayne Bloom is legit. 
Wayne Bloom is a legit yeah. tough guy. Yeah, you tell know, me, tell legit. me more about it, man. Tell me more about because I know I've seen him, you know, through the years with AWA and stuff, and I heard that he did some training with, uh, helped out with Brad Rangins. But I want to hear a little bit more about just what a bad because you know pro wrestling history can be unkind and just forget people. But up here we remember Wayne Bloom. But can you tell us a little bit about just kind of a, a guy he was and uh, sort of the reputation that he had and that preceded him. My experience with you got to remember I knew Wayne because. When I went to wrestling camp back in 1988, Wayne Bloom was the assistant trainer. So I got, when he trained you, he worked you hard. And he, if you screwed up, he'd tell you if you screwed up. You know, Randy, that's horrible. Randy, that's horrible. Yeah. Randy, nobody's going to sell for you. You know, but he was real good. But he was very forthright mm-hmm. and tell you. He wouldn't, he wouldn't mix words at all, at all. But he was, re- he's a real good guy too. But he had the, him and Barry Dorso had the two-man world deadlift record, whatever that was. I mean, he was strong. And I remember one time going out with him, and I'm when I, we went out to a bar, okay. And the and the hell the Hell's Angels were there, and one of the Hell's Angels was like a 450 pound guy named Tank, and uh, and uh, yeah, and and Wayne Bloom told him that he was if you know whatever happened they got into it Wayne Bloom was going to kill him. I mean he said he was going to and Tank back down from him. I knew how much how much respect they had from when the Hells Angels guy backed down from him, you know? And if you look on the side of his face, he has a cut. And that was when he got in some fight. And I think he got like a blade on his face way before I knew him. But this guy, I mean, that's a big old star. Yeah. And he, I mean, Wayne was just, Oh, and then remember the time there was a boxing match and it was right when Wayne and Mike were the Beverly brothers and they were just had a few days off and they went to the boxing match in the cities and, some yep. guy started yep. just shouting at Wayne Bloom, and Wayne was real good and didn't say nothing. Just said, hey, back off, man, back off. Didn't back off. Well, next thing you know, the guy has a broken leg and laying there. And I got yes. in a fight with yes. two guys that night. Jamie was fighting, and JR was fighting, and I was fighting two dudes on the ground, man. I was like, what? You know, we threw those guys out already, these four punks. But the leader, he had gloves on. He had good-looking big kid, you know, but... He wanted to fight Wayne for some reason, and Wayne said, "Are you sure you really want to fight me?" So he had yep. witnesses, and a damn cop yep. got me and had me in handcuffs and stuff. And I was just defending myself. They came after me, you know. I headbutted one of them really hard, and the other one, he just, I just took him down, you know, really easy. But yeah, man, well, I could have got, you know, whatever. But we threw him out once, and there's a lot of witnesses, so. You don't want to see anybody get hurt, but that Wayne Bloom, I mean, that guy started it with Wayne. And you know what? Wayne finished it. That's the thing. Wayne finished it. Gave gave him a lot of chances, a lot of chances, a lot of chances to get out of there. And he just kept, when we were leaving, we're going to go party. That that just ruined the whole night. Well, it was close to the end of the night. I remember that. (laughs) Hey, Hey, Randy. Now, yeah. what can you remember, uh, I mean, as far as you talk about tough guys and all of that, you had a chance to work and train with Scott Norton. Now, what can, I mean, we're talking about the Minneapolis guys, you know, uh, might as well throw Scotty uh, uh, Norton uh, uh, into the mix, both you and Charlie. Uh, it's, what do you got? First, I'll start with you, Randy. Let's talk about Scotty Norton, man. There was another guy that uh, you wouldn't want to mess with. No, you wouldn't. I mean, I went to camp. Scott was one, I think there were five of us, and Scott was one in the camp. And I had just gotten out of done with that wrestling at the university of north dakota the amateurs and, and you know like i said i did okay so i was in pretty good shape and i still knew how to wrestle okay on the mat 
And I remember Scott Norton, they talked about this big guy with a 700-pound bench press. And, well, I'll tell you what, Brad would have us work out on the mat, you know, wrestle. And, I mean, I like I said, I was, I, yeah, I was pretty good, I guess. You know, I guess God gave me a talent a little bit. So, But I'd go against Scott Norton. That's serious. Scott Norton, I'd shoot on a double leg with him. I'd shoot a double leg or have him in a, try to have him in some body lock. And I think I told you on your last show, Glenn, I had better luck moving an oak tree. It didn't happen, man. This guy was, this guy ain't, like I said, he ain't, you know, neighborhood strong. He ain't state strong. He's world strong. This guy was so, so strong. Super, you know? super. And if he came strong. after me, yeah. I would have ran the other way. I mean, but he was, I mean, he, uh, he worked hard in the ring. He was, he was a agile. Big teddy, he looked he was a guy. big teddy bear. Yeah, real good. But I mean, nice he was a. Uh, he really had a presence yep. in Japan too, and he also uh, yes, really yes. sought and received the respect of another guy that has some intense ties to Minnesota in AWA and, and pro wrestling, Masa Saito. Masa Saito, you know, that was his. Uh, I think you know. I just got done reading his book. You know, I just got done with it. And I mean, that was what the premise of a lot of the book was about his respect for Masa and what he did for him, you know, but Masa would come there and he'd be working out with us. And he was another tough guy. I remember we're in the referee's Uh position. I could, I couldn't even break Masa down, you know, I guess I didn't know he was that he was on Olympic teams too in Japan, but he was a tank. I couldn't, I couldn't do nothing with Masa. You know, I mean, I, I hung in, you know, he was playing around me for a little while, like a cat, you know, with a, you know, piece of knitting ball or something, but, but he let me show, you know, he let me reverse him and stuff. And then he just starts shooting. And I said, I'm, I can't do nothing. He turned in like a piece of steel and you just can't bend him or nothing, man. Brad was the one that would throw us around and beat us up though on the mat. Yeah, I you mean, Masa was, I tried to gut wrench him where I'd turn him on his back, and I had better luck gut wrenching a car or something, to tell you the truth. Yeah, you know? you, I had nothing, nothing. And that, I mean, with yeah, Scott Norton, I mean, I mean, Scott Norton was just so, so, I mean, he was world-class strong, world-class strong, you know, and you weren't going to do yeah. nothing to him. You weren't going to do nothing to I him. Was with just, him. I was with him in Atlanta the night uh, he met his wife, me and Jeff Warner were sitting at the table, and. This girl came up and said, can we sit with you? And me and Jeff got up and left, and Scott, he said, hey, Jack, come here. Didn't need any money. You know, he just signed an $850,000 contract. And he had a $950,000 contract in Japan. So he was doing well, Scotty. Good for him, man. Yeah, Super nice guy. Nice, nice, nice guy, man. Nice guy. Yeah, really. Like I said, if that guy was coming after me, I'd be running the other way. (laughs) You know, because there's—I mean, like I said, there's nothing I'm going to do to him. Nothing. uh, That's the thing. What I learned about these guys, you know, Glenn, is that these guys were—they were just world-class guys, and and what they, you know, what their strength and ability and stuff was. And I'd never been used to that because I grew up in East Grand Forks, Minnesota, when I moved to the Twin Cities. When you see the likes of Wayne Bloom, of Scott Norton, of Kevin Kelly, you know, Ken Patera, you know, Brad Rangers, they're they're just phenomenal. Remember that time me and you wrestled in that oil ring downtown at, uh, what was was it, was a strip club, yeah. Oh, man, take me into this one. This is a good one. Let's hear it. It was around Christmas time, and they paid for us to go wrestle these girls, and 
Those girls were trying to really fight us. I to, it was fun though. We got our all oily, man. Remember that? That's oh, the thing. Man. Yeah. I mean, the girls weren't that. The girls are. It was the oil. You couldn't get that oil off you yeah. for days. Yeah, I was trying not to slip and you know <laughs> slip up and. <laughs> but that was fun. We had a good time that time, man. Well, guys, looks like uh, we're heading towards the top uh, here of our of our time. It, the hour has uh, definitely flown by, sharing some memories, just kicking back and just throwing down some conversations about yesterday. It was such a good time. Uh, it was really good to have you back, Randy. I uh, always look forward to uh, chatting with you the next time around. Yeah, you know what? Thank you for having me on your show. Like I said, it. Uh, I don't talk about this stuff a lot, but I mean, anytime that we can bring up wrestling and you know, it's always uh, it's always neat, and like I said before, it always brings a smile to my face. So, and the neat thing about it now is that you know we get to, I get to talk about it with you and Charlie, and that's that's really cool, man. So, awesome. Moments like this are pretty, uh, you know, rare. So I really enjoy it. Thank you, Glenn. Anytime, Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Glenn. Thank yes, you, Charlie. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Rand. I'm Glenn Broggett. So long for now.